If you enjoy these podcasts, check out Enrico Signoretti's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com. They're about data storage and cloud computing, addressing all the topics covered in Voices in Data Storage. Welcome everybody, this is Voices in Data Storage, brought to you by GigaOM. I'm your host, Enrico Signoretti, and today we will talk about cloud computing and cloud storage. My guest for this episode is Leo Leung, Senior Director of Product Management at Oracle Cloud. Hi Leo, how are you today? I'm great, Enrico. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much for uh, joining me today. I'm very happy to have you today because um, we met after a very long time, uh, twice uh, uh, in in two weeks, we we had this uh, briefing uh, about uh, your object storage option, or more in general, uh, the storage option at uh, Oracle Cloud, and I was impressed, I have to say. And then again, we met at Techfield Day the week later, and uh, when I got the full picture, that was amazing okay i'm just talking about this because uh, you know i always considered uh, oracle cloud just uh, uh, like a side play for for oracle you know oracle legacy applications the database enterprise application you don't think about them as um, cloud players right? even if the um, your company from marketing point of view spent a lot of money but uh, uh, I was skeptical. Instead, I, I found uh, some interesting things. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, thanks a lot, Enrico. I think it's natural to be skeptical. Uh, I think if you've been in the tech industry for a long time, like we have, uh, there's lots of people that talk uh, about various things that they may be going to market with or new products or new features. I think it's very natural to be skeptical, but I do think that uh, if you take a look at the cloud market, uh, I very much think we're still at the beginning. Um, uh, much like the just general enterprise on-premises market, this is this is a market that's hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, and we're just at the beginning. Even now, that, even if you kind of consider that we're maybe twelve years in, right, from the inception of AWS, and our belief very much was that there was a really big opportunity to serve a very underserved market, which is enterprises, and in particular, their mission-critical applications. And we felt like we had a unique opportunity uh, as Oracle to, to serve those customers. Uh, and I'll talk about it more later, but I think this wouldn't be possible if you were thinking about uh, Oracle as uh, this monolithic entity. Uh, in reality, we've brought in uh, literally thousands of experienced cloud engineers, uh, architects, product managers, uh, leaders uh, into Oracle. Many of us are brand new to the company. And bringing this kind of experience as well as startup experience, uh, in addition to the large amount of investment Oracle has made, uh, is really making this possible. So. Um, back to your original comment, it's very natural to be skeptical. I was skeptical myself. Um, but if some of those things were not true, uh, the large amount of investment, the true uh, technology and design from scratch, uh, and then the development of such technologies over the last four years, um, you know, 
we could just be talking, <laughs> right? Like uh, some of the other uh, folks in the market. I have to say that uh, the first time when we spoke, it was all about storage. And uh, uh, you impressed me when you mentioned SLAs or, uh, you know, very high performance instances. And um, it's unusual, I would say. Without even comparing the price, which are, you know, uh, at least on paper for what I had the ability to see, they are quite impressive, okay? But uh, the fact that you give an SLA, you know, usually when you go to the cloud, you say, oh, this is a commodity resource. Okay, if you don't have enough, you you buy more. But yes, you do, you can't expect too much of a, a consistency. So uh, that's uh, all uh, uh, to be managed from the application and so on. But actually, when, when I saw, for example, we, we saw that demo with uh, JD Edwards at Techfield Day. Okay, there is a video... Uh, which is quite interesting because, you know, you, you demonstrated that you were able to bring a, a traditional application, a legacy application like JD does, an ERP, on the cloud, build all the architecture, okay, front-end, uh, application servers, the back-end database. Of, it worked very well. So um, the, the guy on stage demonstrated uh, failovers and uh, and stuff and it's this is something that uh, was uh, very well done from my point of view yeah thank you it's uh we've been to a number of these kinds of demos and bake-offs and i think we always surprise people because we'll pick a hard app right um you know not to say that there's anything wrong with doing a machine learning demo or doing some other uh natural language processing or whatnot but this goes back to our focus, right? We want to make customers comfortable that we actually understand the kinds of applications they have now, not the ones they want to build, not the ones that they're in the future. Uh, we care about those too. Uh, but when you think about enterprises, uh, I've heard this statistic cited a number of times, and I believe it. You know, most enterprises have, on average, about a thousand or more applications uh, in their portfolio. And our belief is, Probably about 80% of them are traditional applications, right? Things that were uh, potentially built even 20 years ago, where the architecture is highly dependent on a relational database. Uh, the expectation is all the things they expect on-premises, right? And you and I having a storage background, uh, enterprises expect, that's why they've paid for enterprise class uh, SANS, right? That's why they've paid for enterprise class converged infrastructure. They have a certain expectation around performance, around reliability, around a feature set that's going to allow them to support these more traditional applications. And we wanted to create an environment that was focused on that, uh, not net new, brand new application where, you know, frankly, you have a lot of control over your architecture. You have a lot of control over uh, how you sort of spread your risk, right? If you're dealing with an existing application and a packaged application, there's a set of best practices that exist that allow you to run, operate, and protect that application that you actually don't want to change, right? So forcing people to absorb the effort and cost associated with replatforming for, again, like 80% of 1,000 applications, so let's say 800 applications, doesn't really make a lot of business sense for most enterprises. Right. So our belief was we're going to go and create a enterprise-like uh, cloud environment. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about how that's actually very applicable for new applications as well. We're going to go do that. 
right? And we're going to do things like essentially create a SAN in the cloud, right? We're going to create a enterprise class a file storage service in the cloud. Uh, because your example about JD Edwards and pretty much any other N-tier uh, enterprise web application is they pretty much all expect a certain amount of block storage, a certain amount of file storage, um, and a certain amount of database-centric storage, whether it's local or network, uh, network attached, right? And we wanted to give all those things to the customer. Right. And uh, in fact, your primary strategy is to go after your customers, okay? So demonstrate to them that uh, you are the perfect cloud for guys that already have Oracle on their premises and uh, other Oracle application in general, but also theoretically, at, at least, you, you could uh, 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 host uh, a speed and doesn't change much at the end of the day, right? So any sort of enterprise application. Yeah, definitely. I think, again, there's, you know, I, I think you've done this analysis too. If you look generationally, uh, right, about what the applications were in particular generations, it's absolutely true. Uh, regardless of whether it's an Oracle application or if it uses Oracle database, there's sort of a general architecture of the last, you know, let's say 20 years where the expectation is pretty similar from an infrastructure perspective, right? So uh, we have over 430,000 Oracle database uh, on-premises customers. And some of those are Oracle applications. Some of those are third-party applications like SAP. Uh, or uh, custom applications, right? That may or may not be developed on, again, a more traditional middleware stack. So our belief is we can move all those applications uh, into an environment where they can move it with zero rearchitecture. They can move it with some rearchitecture. For example, taking advantage of uh, cloud-based object storage uh, or other types of cloud-based services that you know will automate some things. Uh, or they can replatform, you know, uh, more completely, right? We have some other customers that are starting to package their, let's say, application or presentation layers in containers, which then makes the whole application stack more lightweight, right? But they can choose any of these things uh, on their time scale, not even to get to square one, right? And the SLA thing you mentioned, uh, again, is part of this focus on we're going to give you an environment that you can trust that potentially even gives you better SLAs than you have on-premises to your end users, right? Where the guarantees are not just around uh, availability, which means you can reach a server, but there's no guarantee at all about whether the server is going to be performing at 1% or 100%. Uh, all the other cloud providers say they're, you know, they basically wipe their hands after that. If you can reach the server, you know, their job is done. Uh, we believe our job is not done. If you're going to serve an enterprise application, the the storage has to be working. The network interconnect between the various tiers of the application need to be working. And yes, of course, you have to be able to access the application. But all those things have to be true in order for it to be uh, an enterprise. And you um, didn't mention quality. the bare metal instances that you have. So you, you can uh, give virtual, you know, the standard way... Uh, of um, implementing uh, applications in the in the cloud, but also you you give physical servers to your customers somehow. Yeah, 
Yeah, we have a we have a range of options. So customers can select a VM uh, based compute like they can in other clouds. Um, they have an option to have only network attached storage or local storage. We give the most local, uh, very 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 low latency, fast uh, NVMe SSD for those VMs. Um, we have GPUs that are based uh, on VMs. So there's all these VM-based uh, uh, options. Uh, and yes, we when we first came in the market in 2016, uh, the initial offering was bare metal. Um, and now we have multiple classes of bare metal, including CPU-based, GPU-based, as well as a brand new uh, instance type, which is based on the AMD EPIC uh, uh, CPU. So uh, with the bare metal, again, there's an option of either having a ton of local storage, uh, up to 51 terabytes of NVMe SSD locally, uh, or again, uh, just network attached. Or of course, if you have local storage, you can also attach network storage. And the big thing- So say it again, 51 terabyte. 51 terabytes, yep. So that's the biggest by far. Yeah, yeah. So what what you can do with that, one big use case is, yeah, you can actually run relational databases on that infrastructure. Um, and that's pretty big, even with triple mirroring, right? You're still talking about uh, over 10 terabytes of usable database space. Um, and now we're talking about, uh, we've tested this publicly multiple times. We're talking about 5 million plus IOPS. Um, which is actually considerably faster than what most people even have on-prem. Now, exactly. So you, you, are, you are talking about uh, instances that can lead to not just uh, enterprise use cases, but you know, HPC, big data, media entertainment, uh, rendering, uh, kind of workloads, not just uh, enterprise. Yep. These are very beefy instances. Uh, you can spin them up in a few minutes, uh, or you can... Uh, basically, you know, terraform it or script it, and you can spin up a hundred instances if you want in, in minutes. And yes, people can run very, very intensive workloads, compute intensive, memory intensive, storage intensive uh, types of workloads on these machines. Uh, and we have many customers uh, in, as you say, the classic HPC space, in the rendering space. Uh, last week, we had two big uh uh, testimonials. Uh, one was Altair, uh, who has built a software as a service on top of our infrastructure that's uh, all about computational fluid dynamics. So these are super rigorous, uh, parallel, high-performance types of applications running on us. The other really cool testimonial, again, this is all public, uh, is from Cisco. Uh, Cisco is increasingly becoming a software and security company. Uh, they launched their security uh, software as a service, which they call Tetration. Uh, this is a large-scale sort of log uh, analytics platform. And uh, they're using those bare metal instances. And they were able to see, uh, if you, uh, I'll send you the video, a 60x, 60 times more performance uh, than other clouds they used uh, because they were able to implement their uh, proprietary software on top of our uh, bare metal instances, clusters of those instances. So you're talking a lot about CPU and uh, 
memory and flash you didn't mention um, networking uh, and, and again networking is uh, quite uh, complicated usually especially not for uh, primary service providers connectivity is important not, not just in the in the data center but how you provide connectivity direct connection to your customer and so on what can you say about this sure absolutely so uh, again absolutely true the uh, network is critical whether you're talking about network uh, connectivity into the cloud uh, connectivity between you know your own environment in the cloud as well as the network inside of the cloud right and from the very beginning uh, we invested heavily in terms of uh, having both a very high performance uh, cloud network as well as making the choice to uh, not oversubscribe it okay so the way I explain it usually to people that uh, are not uh, familiar with the cloud is most clouds are very much like Southwest Airlines, right? Or Ryanair. Uh, they will sell more tickets than they have seats for. And at rush hour, you may get bumped, right? You may uh, encounter congestion even getting into your seat. And that's a choice. They don't have to sell more tickets uh, than there are seats. Uh, but they do because that's their business model. And that is very much the business model of most, most providers. Uh, we made a choice to do two things. Number one is uh, design a network that uh, is hyperscale, very high performance, 25 gig network. Um, but on top of that, we said, we're not going to oversubscribe. Uh, every tenant will have full access to that network, node to node. Uh, there will be no noisy neighbors. Okay. So that was a big choice that we made. Uh, uh, again, going after a very specific audience. And that's why a customer like Cisco can see that kind of performance uh, advantage. Uh, on the connectivity side, uh, again, we've chosen to, uh, number one, uh, offer very, very low cost bandwidth, uh, where you don't get penalized heavily for taking data out of the cloud. Typically, the models that exist in the, in, in the cloud are the uh, outbound bandwidth uh, is quite expensive, and it can become a very large part of your bill. Uh, we offer 10 terabytes for free every month, uh, and then a very, very low price after that. So very, very low cost outbound, which means you can actually run your applications without penalty. Uh, and maybe even more importantly, if you're an enterprise, you probably want some kind of direct connectivity into the cloud, which means a dedicated connection, which we call Fast Connect. And again, we offer that at extremely uh, competitive pricing, where it's not actually a bandwidth charge, it's just a port charge. So you can buy a one gig port, a 10 gig port, 10 gig port or some combination of those things. And you get to use that as much as you want, and you're only paying a fixed price per month. And when you look at those, the combination of those things, uh, we're offering extremely low pricing when it comes to access into the cloud, extremely high performance in the actual cloud, SLAs around the network connectivity, SLAs around the connection into the cloud, we think it's a very, very, uh, very, very uh, competitive offering. I think that every time you talk SLAs, somebody in the enterprise will listen to you because, you know, and uh, this is not the usual conversation you have with cloud providers. 
Yeah, and and I think we 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 like that conversation. Uh, you know, again, this a lot of this goes back to what you said in the beginning. I think that uh, people think this market is uh, is already done, um, and it's true. It's you know north of thirty billion now, but we think it's just beginning. And really, we just want an opportunity to have a discussion. And I think there's a lot of sort of uh, there's a lot of beliefs about the cloud infrastructure market that are actually no longer true, right? They, uh, there's been some uh, bars set by some of the original players in the market that have been broken at this point. So uh, all we're looking for is an opportunity, yeah, to have a conversation. As you said, uh, at Techfield Day, being uh, late to the game is an advantage because you had the opportunity to look around uh, check what uh, others did, and then uh, design your infrastructure, taking in account mistakes made by others or you know new technology that uh, was not available uh, you know ten years ago. You know it's uh, hard for these hyperscalers to change uh, quickly the way they you know they design data centers, uh, they they deploy the racks and so on. So maybe. Being late is not that bad at the end. Yeah, I think that's been proven over and over again uh, in technology, right? Where uh, timing is important, uh, taking advantage of new capabilities is very important, uh, and then focus. Um, I think that we absolutely have been able to take advantage of the fact that NVMe SSD is the new standard, right? Uh, we use that everywhere in our infrastructure, with the, with the only exception being uh, object storage. Um, we, our network is completely software defined. Uh, there is, there is no, uh, you know, specific, uh, networking appliances in there. Uh, and having the, uh, you know, again, 10 years ago, SDN was very, very immature, right? You would have had to write almost everything yourself. Uh, we have invested there. And again, that's what gives us the ability to provision entire servers, uh, without any, uh, of our code on those servers, that's what allows us to provision them in minutes. Uh, that's what allows us to provision uh, entire exit data database uh, appliances in minutes, right? Um, so, you know, taking advantage of those newer technologies is something we definitely have focused on. And every time we roll out a service, we're trying to see how we can change the game, right? And I'll give you two more examples. Uh, one, as I said, we're the first provider that is offering uh, a, a compute instance based on AMD, okay? uh, in particular a bare metal instance plus VM instances. And because of the economics of uh, AMD, because of the economics that we're able to uh, that we were able to leverage, we are now able to offer instances for three cents uh, per OCPU per hour. That actually means one and a half cent per vCPU, which is sort of the current standard in the market. And that's at least 60 to almost 70% less than the lowest cost instance of any other provider, right? So to me, that's breaking a bar. Uh, the second thing we're doing is <clears throat> we're gonna be formally announcing <clears throat> the GA of what we're calling uh, clustered networking. Uh, this is something that, uh, you know, if you look on premises, it happens a lot with uh, MPI 
types of applications in HPC where they have you know, massive parallel types of applications where each of the instances need to talk to each other at uh, sub, you know, uh, or at low microsecond uh, type of latency. Uh, turns out that databases also benefit from this type of architecture. Uh, so we're going to be rolling that out uh, very shortly where uh, customers can now uh, programmatically create a clustered network. Uh, initially with what we're introducing are HPC types of instances, so very high clock speed CPU instances. But going forward, our strategy is going to be you can build a cluster out of anything. You can build a cluster out of regular uh, machines. You can build a cluster out of database-oriented machines. Uh, and all of these are running on the same back backplane, which means you can start to push data at this 100 gig uh, standard uh, across this cluster. So uh, an example would be, for example, if you're running a uh, data warehouse type of uh, database uh, service, and you want to take some of that data and actually run it against some machine learning algorithms and our GPU instances, you will be able to tie these together uh, in a cluster at that 100 gig uh, mark. So really, really improving the experience around time to results for all different kinds of workloads. So we're super excited. And I think, again, these two things are would be very difficult for an older provider to launch so quickly. Uh, we have the advantage of being able to do yeah, that. Yeah, in fact, you, you are talking about next generation networking, uh, 100 gigabit, potentially rocky. You know, if you didn't plan for that, now it's really easy to, to start deploying this kind of uh, technology to the to your, you know, old instances, old servers, right? And even building now, you know, you have to, to maintain some sort of a compatibility with the older instances. So it's quite difficult. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you look at uh, again large scale clouds, you know we're constantly going to be innovating. You know, adding new capabilities, adding new technologies. And you're absolutely right. Once you architect a certain way and you have a certain amount of critical mass, it's much more difficult to adopt new technologies. So, uh, one of the most important uh, aspects now for uh, especially distributed enterprises is uh, where the, your service is available. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that you're available in the US, so at least you have a, a few zones there, but uh, what about the rest of the world? Yeah, so we're currently uh, GA in four cloud regions. Uh, so one is, uh, uh, there's a couple in North America, one in Phoenix and one in Ashburn, uh, and there's two in EMEA, uh, one in London and one in Frankfurt. Uh, we recently announced uh, a very aggressive plan to essentially add uh, more than 12 regions uh, over the next uh, year. All right, so almost one a month. Uh, the first ones are going to be coming uh, in the next few months, uh, first in Toronto and then U.S. government regions. Uh, and then we're going to have an aggressive expansion into Eastern Asia. Uh, so in uh, in Japan, in Korea, uh, in uh, India, uh, and then subsequent to that, uh, additional expansion into Asia as well as EMEA. So uh, we know that um, there's a couple of things to think about when you think about regions. One, I do think that people uh, are perhaps a little sensitive to having things close to them. Um, 
in reality, there's a lot of workloads that can really run anywhere, right? It, it really depends on your which cu- customer base you're trying to serve, not where your company is located. Yeah, but uh, we, uh, you're telling this to an European, you know, GDPR, yeah. all this. Uh, everybody wants they, they're very exactly. close to, to his country. That's fair. That's fair. I th- yeah, I think that... Um, I think that uh, uh, absolutely true, right? When 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 you get beyond just latency, uh, if you're just concerned about latency, there's lots of ways to solve that, right? We have uh, extensive relationships with all the network providers, uh, as well as the uh, exchange networks, right? So you can get pretty good latency, no matter where you are, really, right? So I, I just wanted to kind of point that out. Um, but absolutely, if you're if you're thinking about data residency and you're thinking about uh, various compliance laws, then yes, we, we do have to be in many, many places. And again, I think we uh, have a very aggressive plan to be uh, in all the places where uh, people need us to be uh, locally. Uh, I think there's huge amounts of demand uh, coming out of Japan, coming out of India. So we absolutely have to serve those markets. Uh, there's also additional demand coming out of South America uh, and other parts of Europe. So, um, so we're absolutely cognizant of that. Well, the, the story about Oracle Cloud is really interesting at the end of the day. And again, I was skeptical, uh, but mostly was uh, uh, my ignorance about uh, you know the real quality of the cloud, and uh, some of it also came from the. The idea that I, the general idea that I have uh, uh, about the cloud, and I'm sorry to say that because you know uh, Oracle is one of the biggest software houses in the world, but actually the fact that uh, uh, you guys are quite a monopolist when it comes to uh, database, okay, and you you are seen as a as a legacy company, so sometimes you don't think about uh, you as a player in the cloud. I know uh, that, uh, I know now that uh, this is, uh, I was totally wrong and uh, and I'm happy to record this uh, episode today just, you know, to show and uh, to let you uh, present this uh, different idea of cloud. But um, do you also have a, a way to test the uh, Oracle cloud? So is there any way to test the, the Oracle cloud? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, uh, again, I think we do have a lot of work to do. I think we all recognize that. Uh, again, I think you've you've put together some of the heritage of Oracle, which, uh, good or bad, I think we, we do understand enterprise use cases really well. We understand uh, business, uh, enterprise business uh, requirements really, really well. Uh, and we've put it together with a very large team, several thousand of us that have a lot of cloud experience, have a lot of uh, new application experience. And, you know, again, humbly, I think we, we do have a lot of work to do and we have to prove a lot. So thanks for the opportunity. Um, I think that when it comes to free trials, we have uh, a free trial. Uh, it's uh, essentially $300 worth of credits, but in reality, it, it'll, it'll last more than that. Uh, and you can just go to cloud.oracle.com slash try it and sign up for a free trial. Um, it's that simple. And one of the things you're going to see is, um, you know, there are actually a lot of services beyond infrastructure. 
Uh, and going forward, I think another thing that we're going to be able to offer, which other cloud providers will not be able to offer, is a very, very large portfolio of software as a service, uh, un all under the same roof, right? So we absolutely embrace open technologies, open source, uh, the ecosystem. Uh, again, I think we have a lot to prove there that we are uh, not the Oracle of old necessarily. Uh, so we absolutely accept and embrace those types of applications that people want to bring into our cloud. Uh, but we do believe we're going to offer a very large integrated stack of things as well uh, for customers that want that sort of uh, experience. Uh, and again, right now you can try our infrastructure and a number of different platform services using that URL I shared. And we can share it, of course, uh, when this gets posted. Um, and feel free to reach out. I'm very active uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, and always happy to talk. Yeah, what is your uh, Twitter handle then? It's uh, L-L-E-U-N-G. So Fantastic. My name. Leo, thanks again for your time today. It was a very nice discussion. And again, I suggest everybody to take a look at Oracle Cloud. At least, you know, there are $300 free <laughs> of services. So give it a try. And uh, I think uh, Leo uh, did a great job today to describe... Uh, what they can do. Yes, the ecosystem is not as extensive as for other clouds. And uh, and maybe uh, th there are other things that we didn't uh, cover today. But I think that uh, the more the competition, the better. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you, Leo. And bye-bye. Thanks so much, Enrico. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Data Storage, please check out the other ones. They're available wherever you find your podcast of choice. Multi-cloud data storage and mobility are the focus of the latest report Enrico wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how data storage is evolving in the cloud era, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.